Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. When I moved to Austin nine years ago, I knew one person, and that one person led to many others, but there was a common name they all said you need to meet, and it took me nine years to get there, and that's Gay Gaddis. Uh, Gay is a fascinating person. Um, she's on many lists, uh, which is impressive. She's on my list of one of the most interesting people I've never met until just now. Uh, Gay is an entrepreneur, author, artist, and trailblazer. She's the founder of T3, a digital agency, which is the largest woman-owned independent agency in the United States. Um, what caught my recent attention is her new book, Cowgirl Power, How to Kick Ass in Business and Life. Um, she's a contributor to Forbes and has a program that she runs at the Macomb School of Business at UT called Women Who Mean Business. Um, and is also, as mentioned, uh, uh, growingly growing in her um, brand as an artist as well. And check out what Gay is creating because they're really beautiful uh, pieces of art. So welcome, Gay. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is fun this morning. Yeah. Well, you have, you know, two, two, two of my favorite topics and one book title, uh, Cowgirls. I grew up on a cattle ranch. I think of George Strait, you know, uh, long live cowgirls. Uh, uh -huh. and, and then power and the idea of power. Um, and just that was the topic that I, that I reached out to you about is talking about this idea of, of um, cowgirl power. And so I'm curious, before we get into the, some of the, the questions that I, that I sent you that for us to both answer, is what was the inspiration for the title? Like, because that's a very unique title, not the subtitle, that's cool too, but the cowgirl power, how, where did that come from? Well, I grew up in a small town in East Texas, and I was riding horseback by the time I was five or six with my godfather working cattle. And I grew up around cowgirls and cowboys and, you know, had a deep respect for their spirit, for their genuine attitude about things and grit, uh, all those things that you get to know about a person that I admired. And so, first of all, that inspired me. But then along the line, I decided to go do some research at the Cowgirl Museum in Fort Worth. And it is a beautiful museum, uh, really well done. And I really got to know uh, the behind the scenes of some extraordinary women uh, that competed and uh, were show people in the late 1800s and traveled the world. They were the first female international superstars from the United States. And so I got to know them through my research and told a little of their stories in my book, just snippets, because I learned enough from each one of them that it tied into some of the lessons that I wanted to convey in the book. So mm -hmm. they just became inspirational. And I thought, wow, cowgirls had the power and way back then, and we can have it today. I love that so much. Um, I, my, my grandmother, who was a ranch wife, she would have not referred to herself as a feminist, but she certainly was in the fact that and you know we know this about ranch culture gender has maybe work roles but there's a lot there's not really a patriarchy in the cowboy culture and the ranch culture like right. there is in like corporate culture and um and i think it's also fascinating that the cowboy culture was the first integrated culture you know there were uh black cowboys hispanic cowboys women cowboys um yeah. Um, even, you know, and that was the first culture that was like, all right, if you work hard and you're honest and you know how to handle your shit, then you can be part of us. And man, do we need that now? Like this sense of like, 
a different kind of inclusivity almost that inclusivity around it doesn't matter what you look like or what your identity is if you have grit and you're honest you we need more of that in leadership positions yeah and if you're talented and it, it took talent you know you had to be great on horseback you had to be tough you know yeah, and, right. and resilient and uh resourceful uh my husband's grandfather was a cowboy i mean he signed up for a trail drive and took seven herds up to Kansas and back in the late 1800s. And wow. so our family is all about, you know, what that meant. And it means a lot to us. And you're absolutely right. There, there was a large diversity of who was on those trails and why. Right. And uh, each person had their skill set. And they called them boys, cowboys, because yeah. a lot of them were young. Yeah. I mean, he was 15 years old when he took his first uh, drive, cattle drive. Yeah. So they were youngsters, some of That's them. Awesome. Yeah, we could talk all about cowboy culture as its own uh, interesting topic. But let's get into this yes. idea of personal power. You talk a lot about personal power and, and through some very interesting lenses. And power is one of those power words, meaning, you know, marketing ruins almost all language. Power <laughs> is not one that's been ruined by marketing, but it is highly contextual. So I'm curious about what your definition definition is of power or personal power. What do you mean? I call it a power that comes from within. Uh, a lot of times we have this negative feeling about or sense about what power means because it was exactly what you're saying. It's a it was a top down autocratic. You will go my way or the highway kind of mentality, and and you work for me, and everything comes from top down. My power definition was you build it from within. And it sh shines from within so that people want to follow you and you have to live the example of power. And it's not just because I say so, it's because I do so. And that's right. really kind of where it all came from. I love that. Um, yeah, boy, that's an interesting thing. And very similar answer is uh, mine is almost more spiritual is it's the divine part of us. It's the part of us that mm -hmm. doesn't die. It's unbreakable. You know, it's the part that Nelson Mandela found or Victor Frankl or John McCain, yes. um, you know, in the darkest times, they, mm -hmm. they, were, they, were the thing they cannot take away, which is my definition of power is the thing that no one can take away. And my, my partner, Virginia, does a lot of work in um, around activism, especially within like uh, feminist and um, the feminist genre. And she talks about how it's not power that if you lose your status and title, you still, and it goes away with your status and title. That's not power. That's authority. And that's yeah. different. And, yes. um, but that light within that energy within, and we all have it. Um, and I think that's the work of contemplativeness and self-reflection is to find that power and find the part of you that is unbreakable. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's what leadership is. It really is. You're yeah. right. So you know, th this idea of, we hear this word empowering a lot, and I'll give you my opinion, then I'll ask the question, which is, I don't like the word, uh, generally speaking, because, but, uh, because leaders don't really empower, they just disempower. So the main thing to do is just stop disempowering people, let people be themselves and do their thing. Mm -hmm. So, but you talk about um, this, this idea of disempowerment as well in, in your writings and what you're sharing. So what are some ways that we, we people, we humans consciously or unconsciously disempower ourselves, be our own like inner oppressor? How do we, what are some ways yeah. we do that? Well, I mean, it's something that can be personal that you do to yourself. You know, it's tearing yourself down. It's, it's self-doubt. Uh, it's not believing in yourself when you know it's really there. And so you can do a lot of 
damage and harm to yourself without anyone else being affected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of taking yourself apart all the time and looking at the negative side of things. Um, so there's that, that part of it, but then that translates out into how you're perceived by other people. And I've always said that, you know, if, if you are a person who exudes power, it's not a negative thing. It's something, again, that people would want to follow. And you have to be, show up as you, and I know this word is very much overused, but authentic, genuine, I mean that. I yeah. mean, it's, you walk it every day. Um, and, you know, I always felt like, and I tried to be myself at all times because I can't be anything else. I just have to be where I am at that moment. And people see that. And you also have to take responsibility. You know, it's, it's a lot of risk and a lot of responsibility to own the power that you have because you have to take it every day. Um, and people see that. They, they understand that, wow, you know, you own that. You're going to come through for me. You're there for all of us and not just yourself. And, you know, I think a selfish side of things is, you know, someone's just in it for their own, their own gain. Right. But when everyone sees that you're trying to move it all forward, and push the boats forward, you know, I think that's where people say, well, I want to be a part of that. You know, I want to be a part of that, that game. Yeah. And kind of a follow-up to that though, in the work you're doing, um, in both, both at UT and in your own coaching that you're doing, um, especially for women leaders is, you know, our thinking produces our results. So I'm curious about like the kind of thinking related to disempowerment or power that you run into that you have to almost deconstruct to mm-hmm. help them dismantle. Uh, what do you run into there? Well, this is something funny. A few years ago, I was asked on a panel what I thought of the imposter syndrome, and I didn't even know what it was. I mean, it never occurred to me that I would—I didn't even understand it. Then everybody explained it to me. I went, oh, oh, really? Because I never really felt that. You know, anytime someone gave me an opportunity, I just went for it, you know, and did it. And even though I was a little scared sometimes with new opportunities or with risk, you know, I just thought, well, if if I'm here and they think I can do it, I can do it. And we have to really continue to tell that message because if someone appoints you to something, if someone gives you a raise, if someone gives you a promotion or someone says, Jan, I think you can run this division of our company. And they, a lot of women don't have the confidence and they think, why did they pick me? Or I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And the statistics are out there. I mean, it's all over the place where men would be, you know, 50% ready to do something, but they stand up and say, yeah, I'll take that. I'll Mm -hmm. lead the charge. But women are much more cautious about it because they want to make sure they're going to do the best job. We try to teach and empower women to say, look, Go for it. And if you see an opportunity, why not put your hat in the ring? Why not you say it? Because you know you can do it and get the confidence with, we'll give you the confidence. You know, we help build your confidence so that you can take on these bigger new roles or more responsibility. And that's something that really I found to be true um, that we have to, as you said, untangle that and say, guess what? You are qualified. Put it right. down on paper. You've got the credentials, you've got everything, and go for it and take it. And then we see women doing it. It's been very exciting in our UT program to see women saying, wow, you know, I did it. I took that job where I I leaped into this uh, opportunity on a board. I've never served on a board like this, you know? So those are the things that we're trying to say, go, go for it, do it. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, you, that, that idea of like, uh, just even, even in ranch life or cowboy life where you, you you can't half-ass it, you know, you can't like, 
you're not, you can't, you have to go all in with the, with the idea that, you know, you might get hurt or it might not go well or, and, but you can do it anyway. I mean, that's what courage is, is doing it anyway. Um, I think that what I see um, in, in with women, I've mentored a lot of, I've been business partners with women. I've mentored a lot of women. I've had women uh, leaders mentor me. And you talk about confidence. I think in the in the and even the idea of a self-limiting belief, a set of self-limiting beliefs. The one thing, the one constant thing I see is um, kind of two 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 part same idea. One is unintegrated trauma, um, meaning that they did have some sort of traumatic childhood, and I mean trauma in the sense of complex PTSD where their neuro wiring was, mm -hmm. was messed with, not like, you know, their dad yelled at them once, but right. like actual trauma. And we still have a stigma about that, or we, or we have a kind of a break it, fix it. You know, it's like, it's not affecting my life now. So therefore it's not affecting me as a leader. And there's so much evidence to show that that's not true. Mm -hmm. That if you, the parts of you that are unintegrated, if you did come from a traumatic childhood are influencing the way you lead. Um, because they affect your ability to be empathetic. And what I've noticed too, women leaders uh, that have, and men that, that have unintegrated trauma, they often move into either a more dominant kind of masculine minded role because they're mm -hmm. in touch with their heart or they go into the people pleaser boss role. And neither of those are leadership. They're just survival mechanisms to stay at the, in your slot on the org chart. Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems. And I think that this, the other part of that too, is understanding that there's a, there's an illusion of separateness. As you said, you can only be yourself because that's all you are, but that's a fairly radical idea for most people. They think they have to be a work version and a social version and a home version. Yeah. You should have good manners and, you know, don't be an idiot, but generally speaking, if you're grounded in yourself, and you have that power coming out of you, as you said, from the inside, then you get to be you no matter where you go. And that is very liberating. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, that's how we've lived our life. Um, you know, my family, it's all been one kind of big holistic thing. And, you know, we're ranchers, you know, I'm an artist, I have a lot of interests and all the different things we do are inextricably linked. Yes. And as to your point, it's, I'm the same at the ranch as I am in the office or, you know, teaching a class or whatever. And I use the same language. I'm the same kind of person. I don't try to change who I am because it's easier for me just to be me. <laughs> and it takes a lot of work to have to, you know, create these personas, I guess, to show up at different things. So, yeah. And when you go back to the, the trauma thing, um, a lot of people suffer from things that we will never know. And I have the belief that almost all of us have suffered something pretty traumatic along the way. Mm -hmm. It usually makes you stronger, but it can break pieces of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we have brain chemistry that just isn't on our side. You know, it, 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 it's hurt, hurtful. And there's a lot of mental illness that we don't talk about. Yep. And uh, people are coping with that and trying to be in their work lives, be in their family lives, and still coping with some things that are pretty hard. So, you know, you have to kind of understand that sometimes that's what's going on with someone and not judge, you know, too quickly why they're coming from a certain perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think when someone is angry in particular, or they're dominating as a boss, um, it's, it's almost always based off of fear. And 
and the, it's it's fear of being hurt or fear of being exposed, you know, um, in the sense of that. And um, it makes it. I think what I've where I've shifted in this is just being more compassionate because I could be very judgmental. And then I went through my own like trauma work and unintegrated stuff. And I just think if we all could see what see each other's wounds, we would treat each other so much more compassionately. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that uh, kind of leads into this last question to 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 kick around is. So you talk also about intuition and instinct and being strategic. Um, those words that you use caught my eye. And I'm curious about how do you integrate in, intuition and, and being strategic with kicking ass, which is a great term. How do you, how do you, how do you integrate those like gifts or tools to, to go out and kick some ass? Yeah, when we talk about the the gut, I talk about listening yeah. to your gut a lot. That's intuition. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the same yeah. term. It's just a grittier way to say it. Yeah. But it is true. Um, you have to really listen to yourself sometimes and not move so fast. If you really, really dig down in the well a little bit and listen to what you know is right in your own compass, then, then you usually make much better decisions. And sometimes when I had not trusted my gut, I did make some mistakes and I, I can tag it back to that almost every time. But then how do you take that? You know, list your gut. Your gut will tell you sometimes that you need to move forward on something, mm -hmm. but you need to take that risk or you need to, you know, as my mom always said, grab the brass ring when it comes around because it may never come around again. And what are we doing every day to kind of say, all right, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to be doing? What's that inner voice saying? Um, and then you go out and you do stuff. And if you make a mistake, it's okay. You know, maybe, maybe it wasn't great, but I always found that when I listened to that voice and listened to my peers and mentors, you know, and I, mentors I use loosely, I mean, just people I respect that I talk to and, um, you know, they'll say, yeah, you ought, you ought to do that. You know, people will affirm you. And when they do, you go do it and just jump out there. And then you're starting to kick ass because you're not just on the sidelines. You know, yeah. you, you jump in there and you take it, take the reins as, as we say as cowgirls and, and yeah. do it. And again, you know, I've, I've made some mistakes when I would jump out sometimes too quickly, but I'm, I don't think so. I think I make pretty quick decisions and it's, but they're based on gut. They're based on intuition. They're based on a strategy and not just, you know, oh, I made a snap decision because it was felt like I should do it at that moment. It usually always comes from that kind of, inner voice and that the learning that we have and the experiences that we have inside that will teach us, you mm -hmm. know, what to do. And sometimes it's simple experiences, you know, as we always say, as a child, you touch a flame, you're not going to do it again, I hope. And so, right. you know, but we learn all the way through our lives and you've got to tap back into those learnings and then jump out and say, you know, th that's the thing that I think is, it hurts a lot of folks, you know, is that they, they know they ought to be doing something. They have that urge to do it or they know they should be you know leading a group or starting a new program or whatever it is that you're thinking you know is going to be next for you that would give you joy and help other people and it comes from the standpoint that I'm going to be pulling other people along or I'm going to give a hand up to somebody else you know, especially as you go through your career that's when you're really kicking ass you know it's mm -hmm. you and you get a huge inner reward for that you know, I'm yeah. so, I love it, you know, when I feel like I've done something that maybe that day helps somebody else um, and, or, or gave them an idea or some courage. So it's, it's just it. all about listening to that inner voice and the gut and, and acting on it. 
When did you know and how were you encouraged to listen to that inner voice? When did you know you had one and and you and well, you were and did, were you encouraged to listen to it or did you figure that on your own? Well, you know, I think probably my mom used to say things like, you know, guy, if you're feeling a little down or something doesn't make sense to you, go have a good talk with yourself. And that's exactly what she would say. Just go have a good talk with yourself. Yeah, I'm an only right. child. And I can remember I grew up in that small town, you know, either riding on a horse by myself, riding my bike around town. And sometimes I would just stop by a little stream or, you know, sit on the you know, bench or something and kind of talk to myself. And I know it sounds kind of strange, but it, it more, totally more just the listening to, yeah, what, what are you, how are you feeling today? You know, why? Yeah. And, and yeah. so I never had a real problem being by myself. I love people. I'm a big extrovert, but as far as, you know, communicating with myself, I have to be out in nature. You know, I think I mentioned that that's why my ranch is so important. And, you know, I walk around every day, no matter where I am, if I'm in New York city or wherever else, I like to take a walk. I like to just be by myself for a few minutes and absorb what I'm seeing around me, be it ever so simple or just a bird flying by, or if I am in New York, you know, the, the crowds and, you know, what I'm seeing in the shop windows and just let it be me, you know, and just kind of enjoy yeah. time with myself, which sounds kind of strange, but it, it's very it helpful. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's beautiful. It's the same. I have a very similar practice. You cannot hear your inner voice if you're always around other people. Not really. Um, if you, you don't turn down the noise around you, I mean, right. you know, we, we've got to turn off, you know, our, our, podcast sometimes we have to turn off yeah. the tv we have to turn off you know whatever it is is distracting or our cell phones you know that's something that i'm i have to admit you know i'm looking at my devices a lot but when i take my ranch walks i don't have it yeah i don't i don't look at it i, I mean i sit for 30 minutes i can be yes. away from this yeah and it does me a lot of good to just disconnect a little bit and only be with my own voice and not the distractions. Yes, exactly. And I have a new practice. My grandson's two and he, he lives with my older son and his awesome wife, Sarah, um, in Portland. And so we communicate via Snapchat. It's his dad's Snapchat. Uh -huh. but I, when I go for walks, I'm always looking for things to share with him. And the mm -hmm. exercise makes me present. So yesterday I was at uh, Raton Creek Park in the neighborhood where I live and saw a whole bunch of butterflies and yeah. you know that type of thing. So on this thing about listening to your gut, I think there's a couple of interesting little tidbits here from, from, this, from, a, from this perspective is that um, courage trails action. You know, I think we've been told you have to feel courage first and you don't feel courage until you actually do something. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, it, tra it trails and we, we keep, it's a, that's why like, the Stoics um, referred to courage as a virtue. It was, it's something that occurred that was inside of you already that was activated by action. Mm -hmm. and I think the other part of that is um, understanding that your, your gut, your gut instinct um, is if you have two, basically two kinds of gut instinct, you have that intuition to go do something like, like you said, or don't do something like, you know, don't, don't date that person or don't take that yeah. job. Don't make that move. But here's something to remind people all the time. If you feel anxious, there's nothing to be afraid of because if there was actual danger, you will not feel anxious. You would feel something else. That's much more in the mammalian and reptilian brain. Yeah. So, the, so, so a short version of all of that is fear means go. Like there's no, like, if you feel anxious, that's the, that's a sign you're doing something epic. Um, when I coached, 
I coached youth football for 15 years in Idaho and the, I told the kids about butterflies and I said, those are dragon wings, man. That's what <laughs> they just need, you got to get them out. Um, so I love that you point people though, gay back to themselves. I, I, I wanted to just say that out loud because very few thought leaders and people that are successful by, you know, all the, and, and multi-diverse as you are, you, you're not saying, look at me. You're saying, look at you, look at yourself, go inward. And I think that is about the ultimate act of leadership that you can give is to inspire people to go inward. So kudos to you for that. Well, and that's how you innovate and create. And, you know, I've always enjoyed and loved hiring and working with creative, innovative people. And it's, it's a delight. And so they have to, they have to have that. They have to have that place where they can feel that their creativity or their ideas are valued and, uh, and people trust each other. And so you have to build that culture that allows all that. And mm -hmm. even, if, you know, it can be a nonprofit board. It can be a big company. It can be a project you're working on, but we can exhibit these leadership skills that help other people be who they are and bring forth their best, but you have to let them, you know, and you have to encourage them. So those are the things that we can all do uh, in very simple terms, or even, you know, sometimes I'll just be at the grocery store in Marble Falls, Texas. Our ranch is close to Marble Falls, small town. And I'll just be in there and, you know, I'll talk to one of the people checking me out or talk to someone in there and just make their day a little better, maybe right. somehow. I mean, you know, some people are never even acknowledged, you know, or thanked for the job they're doing. And we just forget sometimes how much that can mean just to try to, and I don't mean Pollyanna silly stuff. I'm just being real again, you know, like, well, you've worked a lot of hours this week. I've been in here a couple of times and thanks for doing that for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I yeah. did that during COVID. I'd say, wow, you've been here a lot. You know, yeah. and thanks for coming in here yeah. because what would we do without you? Yeah, and just things like that. We can all do that. And guess what? You will feel better if you do that mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like giving a gift to yourself when you try to give back to someone else. Yeah, I love that. And using when someone's wearing a name tag or, you know, I use their name. I look them in the eye. Um, you know, it's that namaste, y'all. Like, I'm not yeah. going to see me if I don't see them. Um, right. And I often, I love asking um, baristas and uh, grocery store you know, H at HEB, I ask sometimes, um, uh, are you sick? Are you sick of dealing with people today? <laughs> and they, sometimes they go, no, I love it. And other times like, yeah, about four hours ago and I, I'm going to be off my shift and I just need to be by myself. And, and then you can watch them like their shoulders drop, their head lifts. Yeah. And it's, it's free. Attention is free to give people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we should be liberal about that, of giving people attention, look them in the eye. And um, when we do that, we are introducing them to cowboy and cow cowgirl and cowboy power, because that's that's right. That's a standard. Shake them, shake hands, look them in the eye. Don't bullshit people. That's right. And and your and your word is your word, and yep. you better do it. <laughs> yeah. And um, and final thought on that: the modern version, you know, the worst possible crime you could have as a as a cowboy was to be a horse thief. Oh, goodness. Oh, they were terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> the modern version of that is people that waste your time. Those are horse yeah. thieves. <laughs> so. Thieves of time. Exactly. Thieves of time. Exactly. Well, this has been, as expected, a wonderful and invigorating uh, visit. And I'll uh, post to your book and your website and all of your stuff in the show notes. And thank you so much for spending a little time together. Yeah, Justin, it's really nice to finally get to meet you. I hope I can meet you in person sometime, yes. but this is this will do for now. But uh, I appreciate you reaching out to us. It's fun. Thank you. Thank you.